Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter, and I'm back. That's right. Took a little month hiatus with the podcast. Sorry about that, guys. You know, just the, the, with the scheduling and everything, it'll take a little time off. Just it's it's hard to squeeze in. But now, once the season starts, training camp has begun. Season's on the horizon. Now I'm here for you, right? I will not let you down. I will try and be here with a consistency level, regularity. Now I'm broadcasting this podcast episode on my off day here from my home office. So hopefully the audio quality is going to be good enough. We'll be able to do some of these from my home office. This way we never miss a week. I know some of you will like that. Let me say that again. We will never miss a week if you, if this works. So, that's something to be excited about, but so is the start of training camp, right? We're, we're in business. Everything's underway. Soon enough, you're going to be watching giant games on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays or Saturdays because you know the NFL plays on every day of the week. But you have something to be excited about because remember that 3-13 and season last year? Right? What did Ben McAdoo used to say? We're going to flush it, right? But, yeah, it has been flushed now because the beginning of every season is always positive, right? Every team is undefeated. Every team's feeling good. And you get to put that behind you. And there's actually some optimism with this Giants team, okay? Now, you see predictions out there. And let me just say this. You see predictions. Some of them think the Giants will be pretty bad. Some of them think they'll be pretty. the Giants have a chance to be really good. And, you know, that some people say they could be somewhere in the middle. And I don't think with this year's team, sometimes I might say that's crazy, right? You know, if last year you told me they were going to be three and 13, I would have said that was crazy. But this year, I think you could sell me going into this season either way, right? Oh, the Giants are going to be pretty good. Look at all the weapons they have. They're going to be better offensively. They got a new coach in Pat Shermer. They, they at least retooled their offensive line a little bit. The defense, that was an aberration last year. There's too much talent there to be that bad. And there really is too much talent there for them to be that bad. Like, how could that defense with Damon Harrison, Olivier Vernon, Janaris Jenkins, Landon Collins, how could they have been the 31st-ranked unit in the NFL? I know they had some injuries, but, you know, still... That unit should never be 31st in the NFL, so they should be better. Now, how good can they be? How good can the offense be? That's what we're going to find out here. And I'll just give you a quick rundown on what I've seen. General comment on the offense and defense. More from, like, uh overall scheme look because both of them are new units, right? So my number one thing that I've seen from the offense so far, and you talk to players and, and this is what they tell you, Guys are going to be all over the place. There's going to be different looks. There's going to be different formations. They are not going to be as predictable in offense as they were the last four seasons under Ben McAdoo, where he was, a lot of people would say, and I would probably agree with this, he was stubborn. And he you know, had his beliefs, and he stuck to them, and he did not stray from them enough to keep defenses guessing and have People unsure of what the Giants were going to do. But I think that's the thing with Pat Shermer's offense. You see a lot of Odell Beckham Jr. in the slot, right? And I'm not even talking, I see multiple guys in the slot at the same time, on the same play. He's moving around. 
You see uh, a lot of motion, jet sweeps. We haven't seen the actual jet sweeps. I've seen a lot of fake jet sweeps. And if you're not exactly sure what a jet sweep is, it's kind of a version of the end around, right? The guy comes in motion, uh, and as he's it's a receiver usually, or if you have the running back split out wide, and he's starting from a slot, usually a slot spot, and he's coming around behind the quarterback, and the quarterback either has the option to hand it off to him or just use it as a, as a sort of fake. So you see a lot of that. Just a lot of variation. That's my number one takeaway from the offense so far. Now, granted, remember, everything I say here, we're five days into camp. Okay? Three padded practices. So nothing is set in stone. These are just the initial observations. Things change. People get better. People get worse. People get nicked up. People get hurt. A lot's going to change before week one. But right now, that's what I see from the offense. The defense, even though there's not a ton of dominant pass rushers on this defense, you're seeing them get into the quarterback a lot at practice. And that's because James Betcher brings it from every direction you can imagine. That's what we heard about him coming in, right? That's what he was supposed to bring. That's why he was successful in Arizona. You see it again with the Giants now. You see it with James Betcher's defense now. One play, Landon Collins might be blitzing. The two middle linebackers might be coming at the same time, hitting that A-gap. That A-gap blitz right up the middle. You see players coming off the edge, a lot of cornerback blitzes. Just you never know where it's going to come from, and it's been pretty successful early in camp. I mean, the Giants' offense in general has probably lost to the defense on most days if you had to pick a winner, right? I, I would say... Well, maybe I, you could probably say every day the defense won. Now, they don't count sacks, but you could tell when the quarterback is getting sacked, uh, the, the defender, the usually in this case the pass rusher, the, the outside linebacker, kind of just runs past the quarterback. Now, they continue playing, but you could see that the play is essentially going to be is dead. It's called the sack when they go back inside and they grade him. So you see that a lot. Especially the first couple of days, maybe, uh, Monday, the Giants did a little better at that. And this is my uh, one warning on this right now. I mean, you know what? Let's get into it. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to rip off a bunch of names and give you a, a real quick rundown of what I've seen. And then I'll do the offensive line as a group there at the end because everybody wants to know about the offensive line. So let's start out with Odell Beckham Jr., right? Doing a lot more than I expected. Probably most expected. Live drills. I know there was a lot of people hesitant, even in his own camp, about him taking part in live drills at training camp. But he's doing it. A good chunk of it. And we all know Odell Beckham Jr. wants a contract. And the Giants said that uh, they'll start that negotiation soon. We'll see where that goes. But the fact that he's on the field tells me this, right? This guy just didn't want to sit on the side. He didn't want to sit there and have to watch training camp and do very little, right? Let's say he showed up, which I expected from the beginning, but he didn't participate in live drills. Live drills is like half the day. So half of every practice, he would be sitting on the sideline. This after, he, he hasn't really played football since October, the beginning of October when his leg got shattered. But he wants to play, and that's why he's on the field right now. He proved the Giants a point. He's doing everything they ask of him. He's on the field in live drills now even. And the Giants really can have no complaints of everything he's done 
since pretty much, what is it, March? Because before that, that's when that video from France came out, and then he essentially got put on the trade block in a roundabout way where the Giants wouldn't rule it out. And that opened his eyes, and trust me, he saw it. And then from that point on, he said, okay, I know what I got to do. I have to make the organization happy, be on board with the new regime, and show them that I can be trusted with a new long-term deal. And he's done that so far. He's done everything the Giants have asked. Now, there's times where you hold your breath, right? He's running across the middle. He gets tangled with Eli Apple. Uh, he, he Eli Apple kind of bumped into him on Monday and and – you know, it's one of those dangerous situations. They're going across the field and two of them collide. Whether there was some intent or not, who knows? This is football. And you hold your breath and you say, oh, hey, whoa, thank God he's okay. Because the Giants, he's their offense, right? Let's be honest. He, his presence dictates whether they're a good offense, which they could be with him on the field, which they have been, or average good or average, and when he's not on the field, they're probably going to be pretty bad. And I know they have a ton of other weapons, but they're still, if Odell Beckham Jr. is not on the field, they're going to be a pretty bad offense. Below average. I shouldn't say pretty bad. Below average. Okay? But he looks like his old self now. He's running, cutting, looks great. Making the kind of catches you, you pretty much expect from Odell Beckham Jr., right? And... As a Giant fan, that should have you excited because when he's on the field, you have a chance and you're there, you're at least a decent team, a decent offensive team just by having him, just him on the field. Go look at Eli Manning's numbers. I'll whip him out sometime. I don't have him on me right this second. I'll whip him out sometime and you'll see his numbers between with and without Odell over the last four years. Staggering. Odell Beckham Jr. is their offense and he looks Terrific right now. So that should have you excited. Now, next name, Saquon Barkley. Also, positive returns, positive reviews so far, especially as a pass catcher. That's to me that just keeps popping out. I mean, maybe I sound like a broken record. Keeps popping out to me. You see him matched up in a one-on-one drill against Alec Ogletree, and he gives this little juke headed outside to the side towards the sideline on Monday. Ogletree had no chance. Saturday, two days before, same thing. Red zone drill. Ended up matched up against Alec Ogletree, a veteran middle linebacker in this league. Boom, boom. Quick. Like, looked like he was running a, a, a stretch run outside, even though he didn't have the ball. Planted his left foot in the ground. Boom. Straight to the middle. Ogletree, no chance. Easy pitch and catch for him and Eli. Easy. This was seven on seven. There was no line, but still. Easy. So positive returns on Saquon Barkley. You like him as everything you see as a person, as a player. The running game slow to start so far. Hasn't had a ton of success running the ball in practice. Uh, there doesn't seem to be that many holes, but we'll get to that in a minute with the offensive line. So that's Saquon Barkley, number two overall pick in the draft. Quarterback Eli Manning. Coming off two solid days, right? I, I liked what I saw from him the last two days. A few days before that, a little bit of a slow start. He had a rough one. I think it was Friday or so, something like that. Uh, really struggled with his accuracy. Overthrew a, a bubble screen pass and 
made a couple bad reads down the field and kind of threw the ball up in the air. But really, that those kind of that is kind of what Eli is, right? He's that part of it he's done throughout his career. Not the most accurate guy, and sometimes you, you scratch your head and be like, "What kind of decision was that?" His interceptions have always been relatively high for a, a upper echelon quarterback. So, but overall, pretty decent. I mean, his arm strength. I have no problem with his arm strength having for the last couple of years. Uh, my only reservations is whether he can be successful. We know his skill set as a 37, 38-year-old with this offensive line. It's a revamped offensive line, still not a great offensive line. And in today's NFL, can you really be overly successful? How? What's the ceiling without being able to really maneuver, at least maneuver in the pocket? And uh, yeah, Tom Brady does it, but even he, he slides really well in the pocket. Drew Brees, same with him. Eli really doesn't move well in the pocket at all. So I'm wondering, what is the ceiling with him? And you see it sometimes in practice, the pressure's coming left and right, and you're just scratching your head like, eh, he's gonna get killed again. He's gonna get killed again, huh? And then, is he going to stand in there and make those tough throws? Look, you don't touch the quarterback in practice. And you could go out there and find this clip if you want. There's a clip of him completing a pass to Sterling Shepard. It's about a 10-yard sort of comeback route on the left hash mark. And it's a completion, and Eli makes the throw. But, you know, we're talking about training camp where you can't touch the quarterback. And you could see the way he threw the pass. He didn't step into the ball and zip it. He kind of... Off his back footed it and it didn't have a ton of juice on it. Got there just in time and that's my concern with him. There were things last year that you saw in the last couple of years and I heard Lewis Riddick say this on ESPN's air recently. There are things there where it's almost, you know, it, you wonder if he's gotten into some bad habits because of the pressure that's been on him and if he's just going to be able to snap out of it, right? Is he able, going to be able to stand in there, step into throws? Or is he going to be a little reluctant and is he sort of, for lack of a better phrase, seeing ghosts? So that's something I'll keep an eye on going forward and we'll see. But he's coming off two solid days and I, there was two young guys there talking to me outside the fence. I, I, I didn't catch your names, but you were getting, uh, you know, we had a nice little conversation and we were talking about some stuff and they were generally nice guys. And, but they told me the way, hey, Jordan, the one thing I don't like is you're going to be wrong about your Eli. You know, analysis. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to eat that, and I, and and he's gonna play another five years. And I told him, look, if Eli Manning plays five years, if the Giants win another Super Bowl, or even you know make long deep runs in the playoffs, and Eli is rejuvenated and plays great, I'll eat crow. I got no problem doing that. I'm giving you my opinion. I'm gonna be wrong sometimes. It happens. But in this one, I mean, I've talked to enough people. And I've seen with my own eyes over my time since I've been here. And I just, and, and, and really the age. I'm an ageist. I've said this before. I'm an ageist when it comes to football and professional sports, right? It, it's just not a common thing for me to, for you and anyone in general, me, you, whoever, to see a resurgence with people at the end of their careers. 37, 38, 39 years old. He hasn't played well the last couple of years. Right, he has one good year in his really solid, really good year in his last four. So to be able to turn it around at age thirty-eight just seems like an unrealistic ask. And really expect him to be a top top end quarterback. Do I think he could be a decent quarterback? Sure. But is that going to get the Giants to where they need to go? 
And that's always been my concern here is whether Eli fits his window fits what the Giants' window should be to win another championship because that's ultimately the goal. And we'll see. And if he does, I'll eat crow. No problem. So a few more names here. Janoris Jenkins, like what I've seen so far. No fall-off, no repercussions, at least mentally or his uh, effort from the, his friend being uh, found dead in his house and his brother being charged with aggravated manslaughter. So you like what you see from Janaris Jenkins. He came out, said all the right things the other day. You have to – doesn't look like there's a huge concern with Janaris Jenkins. Eli Apple, young cornerback coming off an awful season last year, ups and downs. Uh, pretty positive start to camp. Again, he had a positive training camp last year. But you see the physicality that you and – and the size that can give you optimism that he could be a really good cornerback in the NFL. Um, it, it – I do like that you could tell he has mended a bunch of relationships. So his uh, relationship, even with that cornerback room, seems stronger. He spent a lot of the offseason with Dante Dion. That's a guy that everybody likes. He's friendly with everybody. So maybe that helped sort of bring everybody together in a way. Um, uh, Janaris Jenkins and Landon Collins, uh, Darian Thompson, they all seem to be on the same page. Uh with Eli Apple at this point, and that's a positive. Now, the thing with Eli Apple is, yeah, he could play as well as he does in training camp. We have to keep in the back of our mind is, and this is with a lot of guys, this, is, this whole defense really, this is how you got to look at them because they fell apart last year. They're going to be, they're probably going to be a good unit if things are going well. But what happens when they get kicked in the teeth? Are they going to crumble? Are they going to point fingers? Are guys going to throw in the towel and quit like they did last year in some way, shape, or form? And that's what you got to watch with Eli Apple. What happens when he gives up a big play, when things go wrong, when the coaches yell at him and don't like something he's done? How's that going to work, right? How's that going to work? So we'll keep an eye on that. A few more names. Evan Ingram. Explosive, definite, strong start to camp. you got to like that. Uh, the Giants' weapons, you, you understand why they're top-notch and everyone thinks they're top in the league. Ingram is another one. He's a mismatch. Uh, so some big plays down the seam that get you excited that they could just add that part of the off, that, uh, that part, that element to this offense. Eric Flowers, that's a concern at right tackle. Uh, slow start. I know the Giants and, and Pat Shermer said he liked what he saw the other day. I'd be concerned on that. And I've, I've seen some things that definitely, uh, make me, Wonder how how much improved he can actually be, even if it's on the right side. Uh, they're going to have to give him a lot of help. And they, they really don't have a lot of options behind him. So their whole tackle position in general, the depth is troubling. Alec Ogletree and B.J. Goodson, they look like they can be a pretty solid middle linebacking uh, duo. I like Goodson's athleticism running sideline to sideline in Ogletree. While not the most athletic guy, you could tell he's a veteran. Right, a veteran middle linebacker can make some plays. He just finds himself in the right place a bunch of times. So good things on the middle linebacker uh, trail for the Giants. Pass rushers, maybe it's because the Giants' offensive line isn't good, especially behind the starters. Maybe it's because the Giants' pass rushers are better than we thought. But all the edge rushers look good so far. All of them: Olivier Vernon, uh, Connor Barwin, Kareem Martin, Avery Moss. Um, 
Romeo Aquara. I don't know. If I'm forgetting anyone else off the top of my head, trust me, they've looked good. The Giants' second and third team tackles have just been getting destroyed. Okay? And it brings you to the offensive line in general. you got to be concerned. You don't see a dominant unit. And you know what? I didn't expect a dominant unit. And it just reiterated to me one thing. This is what I'll say about the offensive line. This is going to take time. They essentially have five new starters since everybody's at a different position, even the guys that are left over. John Halapi is at center, and Eric Flowers is at right tackle. They didn't play those positions last year. So five new guys. It's a group that needs to come together, and it takes time for that position to come together more than pretty much anywhere else. They don't have a single pro bowler in that group. Maybe Will Hernandez proves to be that. We don't know. Jury's still out. He's a second-round pick. Looks promising, but just a rookie right now. Nate Solder never proven to be a pro bowler, even playing for the Patriots. When the Patriots send like seven guys a year, by the way, because when you're that good, you send pretty much your whole team. But he's not a pro bowler. Uh, Patrick Ramame, he's on his what, fourth team in five years. He's not a pro bowler. So they don't have any upper echelon players. It's a new group. It's going to take time for them to meld into a unit and maybe even multiple years. Until they really turn it fully turn that group around. So there's a reason they start slow in camp in my mind. There's a reason we should have tempered expectations for that group and for the offense as a whole between, because between the combination of that and Eli, who's an aging quarterback and doesn't move well, it, that is what can slow down this offense. And I know you could sit there and you can get mesmerized by the weapons, right? Ooh. Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, uh, Evan Ingram. You're excited. You should have a great offense. But the offensive line and the Eli Manning, the combination of him being older and not a mobile guy, makes you wonder, well, how good, what is the actual ceiling for this offense? And it probably should remind you the ceiling from this offense shouldn't be they're going to be one of the, they're going to be the best offense in the league. They're going to be one of they're going to be one of the best offenses in the league. I, I don't think we should jump to that level. Going from averaging, you know, being scoring the second fewest points last year granted with some injuries, but to all of a sudden being one of the top offenses in the league. Keep yourself realistic on that regard. And the last name I'll give you here is Sterling Shepard. Look, just a solid player. I mean, his routes are crisp. You see it in practice. You see it every day at training camp. You see a player that you know is just going to be a good player. And another weapon added to the mix. And with that, we're going to bring him in this next segment. Let's talk to the Giants slot receiver. Oh, wait. Maybe he's an outside receiver now. Sterling Shepard. On to the next one. All right, so let's bring in Sterling Shepard here, right? We got a big offseason right for you. You're, you get married, you're having a baby, you just told me a little baby girl, right? So wait, you, can you, you still, can you still go by young Shep? I mean, does that still apply? You're, you're, you're like, you're getting older on us here. Yeah, I am, but, uh, I still go by young Shep in the building, especially now, cause we got, we got big Shep, we got, uh, Shep who's been in the league for a little while, so, Russell Shepard's in there, so it kinda lets everybody know which one is which, so I'm still young Shep. In comparison to him, I guess you're still, you're still young. There's a, that's a, that might be a common problem in there. You guys got double names on like, I don't know, six, seven, eight guys. Yeah, we do. Who else do we have? 
There's a couple webs. Um, there's a couple Martins. Yeah, I, I, Williams. I mean, you know, there's always like Williams and Smith, and uh, that, that, those are those are common names. So, yeah, I mean, you, 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 you nicknames nicknames are important for you guys, I would assume. So, what's this like been like for you? I mean, you're back at training camp. You, of course, sort of get to turn the page, right? I, you're a guy who smile a lot, right? I, you, you could kind of tell last year. I, I think we're around you enough to kind of recognize your personalities. There was a point where, you know, you weren't, you just weren't, you didn't seem as happy. You weren't smiling as much, but I'm sure that was a lot by circumstance, right? What, what, what was that like to go through and then take us to like now and how different that is right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, there wasn't much to smile about last year. I mean, you come into the building uh, after a loss week after week, it's not, not a good feeling, especially for people who like to compete at a high level and uh, like to ultimately win. Uh, it's tough on you, but yeah, it's a new it's a new chapter now. So we get to turn the page, and um, you know we're just focused on uh, getting this team back on the right track. You got we like you know you got those pearly whites. You could see them when you smile. It's what wasn't happening last year. The migraine thing. I, I'm sure that was a interesting time, a t- tough time to go through. I mean, yeah. How would you even describe that? Because it seemed like there was a lot of uncertainty there. You didn't know what was kind of going on. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on with that. Uh, happy to be done with that. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they don't come back. Uh, but yeah, it was just tough all around, just losing games and uh, on top of that, injuries. Your boys getting injured as well, uh, which is always no fun. So your off-season workouts, right? You guys went out to California recently. There was a whole bunch of you. You, Evan, Odell, Saquon, uh, even Eli Apple and Dante Dean, I believe, were there. Take me through. What, what was that like? Uh, it was good. It was just good for team camaraderie. Um, you know, we all try to be in the same place, especially as offensive guys, just to kind of get the system down and um, you know, just see just see how everybody's working. Uh, a lot in this offense is uh, you can have similar routes. Uh, just seeing different ways that different different guys would work the route. Um, you know, Odell puts a lot on his route sometimes, so you just take some things from him, and Evan does a great great job on uh, certain routes as well. So we all just taking pieces and bits from each other and uh, helping each other. What about T.O.? He was out there also, right? What do you, what do you, get, what do you get from a guy like that? Hall, he's going to the Hall of Fame right now. Uh, exactly. I mean, you got to listen to a guy that's about to go to the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he was doing something right. And um, I mean, Give you any advice that sort of stuck with you? Anything or is it all? Not, not really. I mean, he just takes care of his body, and I guess you could say that's the kind of advice that he gave me, just taking care of the body. And um, Everyone's you know. impressed by the shape he's in, huh? Yeah, I mean, he's in great shape. Uh, he looked good running his routes as well, which is pretty surprising. He, he can really run with you guys, for real? Yeah, I mean, he, he, runs, he runs great routes. I thought he did. Uh, he did well, and obviously he has huge hands, uh, catching everything. Uh, he, he looked pretty good to me. Do a little word association here, right? And I'll let you go, real quick, right? Yeah. Slot wide receiver. Slot wide receiver. Like the first, the first thing that comes to your head. One or two, three words. An animal. I'm an animal in the slot. In the slot. You thrive in that? You said you wanted to kind of 
move, you know, you want to prove to people. You Obviously, play but, but, too, the right? fir- but the first thing that comes to my, my mind is I'm a savage in the slot. This say outside. Say I'm a savage outside too. <laughs> this year's wide receiver room. Um, close knit. Yeah, we got a close knit group. Everybody uh, seems to be getting along with each other and um, just helping each other out. You're Sterling Shepard in 2018. 2018. Hopefully the best year yet. That's what I'm shooting for, and that's what I've been working towards. So, Eli Manning as a person. Goofy. Goofy dude. You wouldn't expect it out of Eli, but pretty funny guy. That, that is, that's, that does catch me by surprise there, Goofy. But I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, we always hear about him changing the languages on people's phones. And Chinese. A whole bunch of stuff. Is that, that's the norm. Yep. Baker Mayfield. Carries that chip on his shoulder. I mean, he's just a competitor. First word that comes to mind for me is he's a competitor. Loves to compete, and um, he'll give you everything he's got. Of course, that's your boy from Oklahoma. So, I mean, you told me that story. I remember once he, when he first came in, right? He was uh, a walk-on. He was playing on the the scout team with um, who was it? Beckham. Yeah, yeah. Daryl Green Beckham. Tell us. Slice. What do you do to everybody? Those two guys. Slicing everybody up. Those two guys were. Going crazy on the uh, on the first team defense, uh, it, it, it was wild to see. I would go watch the uh, I would go watch the defensive tape in the room and just see what they were doing to them because that's all you would hear about. You'd be hearing oohs and ahs over there while we were working on our offensive stuff. So you were wondering what he had and went to go look at it. He looked good. And that's how you go to, from being scout team to the number one overall pick, I guess, huh? Sterling Shepard, appreciate it, man. Mm-hmm, no problem. On to the next one. Ah, yes. It's that time where I, yours truly, will listen to your deepest, darkest Giants questions in this week's version of Giant After Dark. All right, let's go. Ramon Rivera Almena. Question number one, he asks, We are hearing a lot of positive things about Davis Webb. Can you break down his performance thus far? And provide us with a clearer picture of where he is at in his development. In your opinion, is he ready to take over should Eli go down? Well, here's what I can say about Davis Webb so far, right? You love the physical skill set. That's obvious. I mean, his arm compared to Kyle Oletta's arms are two ends of the opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Davis Webb moves well. He throws really, this is the one thing that probably what I like most about him aside from that big arm. He throws really, really well and accurate on the move. And you like all his physical skills. You like the way he works. So where he is in his development, you see good things on the field. There's still mistakes. You see, so still see some bad plays, some bad reads, but he makes mistakes. He's, he's still a younger quarterback and he's learning. He's seeing defenses now that he probably still hasn't seen every once in a while. I mean, he's only been around the NFL one year and James Betcher brings a lot of blitzes. So you like what you see from Davis Webb physically on the field. You, th- I think he's playing pretty well. I think he's had mostly good days and you're a fan. You say, okay, I could see. Why people think that this guy has a chance to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. You see him make throws that are starting quarterback like. 
He has the skill set to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Absolutely. We haven't seen him do it in a game yet. So it's hard to really say, is he ready to take over? Should Eli go down? Do I think he can? I'm guessing, but I from what you see at practice, yeah, probably. But he's also not taking any hits. It's not quite the same as being in there in games. So I think we're going to have to, before we really make a determination on that, you're going to have to see him in the preseason at least a little bit. I mean, that's what we got right now, right? That's where you're going to see him. Let's see what he does in the preseason. But his development, he's definitely taken another step. Last summer, he was sort of in the role that Kylo Lett is in right now, which is the fact that the Giants have four quarterbacks in camp. He's splitting third-team reps right now with Alex Taney. I'm talking about uh, Kylo Letta. And last year, Davis Webb was doing the same. He was splitting. He, uh, he was basically taking third-team reps, and even then, only some because they had David. Uh, they had um, who was their backup last year? Davis Webb. Uh, Josh Johnson and Geno Smith all in as quarterbacks last year. So Josh Johnson and Geno Smith were taking the second and even some third team reps and Davis Webb would kind of get the leftovers. At least they had a extra opportunity period where Davis Webb got some work and Loletta doesn't even have that this year. So I know, uh, Pat Shermer said that he, you know, there's behind Eli, he doesn't have like a pecking order right now, but in order for Kylo Letta to be the backup quarterback, I would be stunned. Something would have to happen. Davis Webb is going to be the backup quarterback right now, so he better be ready to go and free Eli Manning, right? All right. Question number two. Uh, let's see. what I lost it. Oh, here we go. Jamal Pearson, who whose Twitter name is at Nick's Addiction, asks, early front runner for nickel CB and third wide receiver. All right. Well, William Gay is playing the nickel cornerback right now, but I, if William Gay is your starter at nickel cornerback, I would be concerned. That's what I will say. Okay. Um, haven't been overly impressed by him. He's a guy that the Pittsburgh Steelers, look, when you're with the Pittsburgh Steelers, a very loyal organization, solid organization, you were there for that long, was a really good player. Was a low, was like the fourth or fifth corner last year, and they decided they didn't even really want him back this year. You kind of know where this is heading, right, with William Gay. He's towards the end of his career. So I'd be surprised, by the way, or at least from what I've seen, if he's a starting nickel corner. You haven't seen him do it much, but Dante Dion, I know he got injured on Monday, a little uh, Sunday, but it's supposed to be a real minor thing. If he's able to bounce back from that, I see that nickel cornerback job. The two most likely guys to land in that spot to me are Dante Dion, who I think is a playmaker. He's a nickel corner in the NFL. That's his number one spot, in my opinion. That It's either him or Mike Thomas, the safety they signed, who's played in the nickel before for Coach Lou Anarumo in Miami. It's something Anarumo said, look, right now I'm going to keep Michael Thomas at safety. I want him to learn safety first, but... As we go along here, once he gets into safety, then maybe we'll put him at nickel cornerback a little bit. So I think that's a possibility that he ends up there. Wide receiver three, Cody Latimer. He's the front runner for that job right now. And there'll be a bunch of guys making a run at him. I think the most likely to 
potentially overtake him is Russell Shepard. He's a guy that Dave Gettleman obviously likes. He signed him in Carolina. He's a guy who has had some success, at least, in the NFL, catching passes, probably even more than Cody Latimer. So, to me, it's one of those two guys right now. Those two are the two front runners, in my opinion. So, question number three. We're going to go a little off the grid here. This is this isn't exactly a football question because I, you know, I, I like to stray a little bit. We got we got to have some fun. So, Jay at Zed Nicodemus asked, "What's a better suit color to buy? Navy, blue, or gray? Navy, blue, or gray? Okay. And in my opinion, it's a no brainer." Gray is just a, a great color, right? You could wear it, it. It's hard to wear a dark navy blue in the summer, you know? And you can't wear, you don't really want to wear black shoes with a navy suit, right? Gray, you could do anything with. You know, you get a right color gray, almost everything goes with gray, right? You could wear black shoes, you could wear brown shoes. Black shoes, brown belt. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the gray. And if I had a choice, have a closet basically of all gray suits. Go any direction, right? Different color shirts, so all of them. Ties, gray over navy blue any day of the week when it comes to a suit. All right. So let's get back to football questions now, right? We'll do Adam Franco at Adam underscore Franco. With little, with little salary cap left, how do we lock up the humble 21 in OBJ3? Well, Adam, I'm not – saying this as a knock on you and most people just don't understand the salary cap okay there's always ways to maneuver around the salary cap these the way teams work there there's mechanisms that they could move money around all the time blah 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 but with Odell Beckham Jr you could actually sign him you, these are they sign an extension it, they can make it an extension on their current deal right so their salary cap numbers could even be lowered this year. At least OBJ's can, for sure. Like you could lower his salary cap number this year if you sign him to an extension. There are ways to get around this. So you don't need to have this huge amount of salary cap space. Uh, and ultimately, the Giants, and this is the reality. I know people love Eli, but this is the reality. Is that in the future, they're going to be getting paid big money, and that will be easy to do. That will be no problem for them to do because Eli Manning is not going to be on the salary cap long term. He's not going to be making $20, $22 million, twenty you know, counting $20, $22 million against the salary cap down the, in the future. So you could have the money put into future years and not be overly concerned about putting yourself in cap trouble. And by the way, very few teams nowadays – are in cap trouble. The cap keeps going up, 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 up every year. And very few teams have trouble manipulating the cap. And if the Giants need money this year, and we'll get to this in a little bit, they can, they can make money. Okay. And we're going to, we'll get to that, uh, here with this next question. Uh, the last question, question number five, it comes from Chris McNeil, CMAC 44. How is DRC not already in the fold? Ditto on, uh, on what, Others mentioned regarding depth at tackle. Well, yeah, depth at tackle. Definite huge problem. I don't know what they're going to do about it. There's really no answer. There's nobody in free agency out there who's a quality starting NFL or at least swing NFL tackle. And no team's actually going to drop a quality starting tackle. And so you're not going to be able to pick anyone good up. They might be able to pick somebody up, but it's not going to be someone who's going to solve their problems for real. But now the DRC. How is DRC not already in the full? 
Well, they actually DRC is a little different story with the salary cap because if you bring him back, it's going to be for one year, and when you're there for one year, then that money they need that money under the salary cap. So they right now they don't have that money under the salary cap. They would have to make it. Now you can make it. You can move money forward from uh uh a player who you think is going to be around long term and and you know give him a, a upfront bonus and of some of his future money and spread it out over the the length of his deal. Uh, this is getting probably a little complicated for many people out there, but they would have to make money for DRC. Okay. At least until they make cuts. So for right now, the Giants signing a guy with 90 men on their roster and their salary cap situation being they have currently have less than a million dollars. That's a tough ask. Signing a veteran to one year deal is a lot different than signing an OBJ or Landon Collins to a long-term extension that where money will be spread out over all those years. Because if you – let's say you sign DRC to a one-year $4 million contract right now, they're pretty much going to need $4 million under the salary. But you have to be at least on $4 million under the salary cap. Now they can make some cuts and they can do what they got to do to get there. But I don't think the Giants really want to go that route. It doesn't look like they're going to go that route for now. And I'd be surprised if DRC – is back in the fold for next season, for this season. And with that, we'll move to the next segment. On to the next one. Let's finish up here with a little Jordan on the beat. I'll give you a little taste of what it's like to be a beat reporter or somebody. A little little taste of what my experiences are like covering the Giants. And in, in this case, we'll do what it's like to cover training camp. And the way training camp works is the locker room's not open. So they bring players out, the Giants, you request them, blah, blah, blah. Okay? So that's how you get to talk to players. It's not the most ideal situation, but, hey, it is what it is. And there's a lot of people helping out, the Giants and the PR side and everything, to make sure training camp goes and, you know, is, is runs smoothly because it's, it's, a, it's a grind and it's, a, a, it's an extension of the season and it's a, there's more people that come than, than a normal day and it's, uh, it's a lot to handle. So... And there's a lot, of, a lot of players, right? There's a roster that's at 90 players right now. Uh, you get to the season, there's 53 players. So you don't really know who everybody is. So the other day, one player comes out, and you look at guys sometimes, you're like, hey, which, who is that? Because you don't – it's hard to know all these guys. Some of these guys come in, they just came in. But Curtis Riley comes out the other day, and you know, he's going to talk, and I'm, I'm just chatting with him for a second, and I – I'm pretty sure I know who it is, even though I've never had a full conversation with him. Chat for like a minute. And then he goes over to people, and then the PR people take him over to somebody else. I'm not going to mention who the people that they are because I'm not here to try and embarrass anybody. And uh, they're like, yeah, this is Ada Amba, you know, the wide receiver from BC. I don't know for my pronunciation. His name was probably just butchered really badly. Who knows? So... They tell him that that's who they're bringing to him. There's this couple other reporters. And the other guy goes, uh, one of the guys there, there was two, think of two guys there. One guy goes, Oh, hey, Amba, how you doing? And then they start asking him questions. And, and I actually walked away and there, but I heard the first question or two and then they're talking to him and they're asking him questions and he's going along. And I was pretty sure it was Curtis Riley, but not a hundred percent positive. So when they bring him over, I was like, Oh my God, I screwed up. I was talking to him as if he was Curtis Riley. That's the BC receiver, Amba. 
Then later on, I go, I, I, you know, after they're done interviewing the guy, I was like, who is that? Is that Amba or Curtis, Curtis Riley? And I'm like, it's, it was Curtis Riley. But we spent the first three minutes asking him questions as if he was Amba because that's what the Giants PR person told him. So they went, they were interviewing the guy and eventually got to the point where they asked him a question and he's like, yo, I play, you know, I play, uh, defense. And that's when everyone was like, I guess, oh my God, this is an Amba that we're talking to. And, you know, they were actually talking to Curtis Riley, who, by the way, is in the running for a starting free safety job. And, uh, boo, boo, uh, booby, as in booby miles, I think from, uh, uh, Friday Night Lights. That's what they call him. His name, nickname is booby. Uh, so not booby to be confused with Dave Gettleman called me. Booby. See, there's a difference. Booby and booby. You got it? So there's booby, which is Curtis Riley, and there's booby, which is me, according to Dave Gettleman. But anyway, so they were interviewing the guy as if he was somebody else, and then midstream had to switch over and realize who they were talking to. So that's part of the things you deal with if you're in the media and you're in training camp and you're trying to figure out who these guys are. Look, it's, it wouldn't, it's not the first time people have been interviewing someone and realized you're talking to somebody else. It, it's not easy. 90 guys on the roster. You don't know what every guy looks like. Some of these guys have just come in for like a day or two and then they're here. They're gone. They come in. Some of these guys look like Marquise Bundy, for instance, right? You might not even know who he is. He's a, he's a wide receiver on the Giants. He was on the practice squad all last year. He looks like Brandon Marshall. Like he could definitely, I could definitely see somebody last year coming in in training camp. They bring him out and you start talking to him and asking him questions as if he's Brandon Marshall. He's not quite as tall, but he had the same hair, the same shaped face. He looked a lot like Brandon Marshall minus like two or three inches. So, and Curtis Riley, by the way, does look a little bit like Amba. Now that you think of, now that I think about it, now that I, you know, I, they told me that which was which, you could tell their hair is kind of similar. They look a little bit alike. They're around the same size, same build. So you can make that mistake. Now it's embarrassing and you want to laugh at it when you're done. You're like, holy crap. I just interviewed a guy and I thought it was somebody else, but whoops, those things happen. So that's a little Jordan on the beat. And with that, That concludes your first training camp episode of Breaking Big Blue with your host here, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com Giants reporter. Remember, you can find us, uh, Apple, iTunes. You can find us, um, I believe on Google. You know, we're everywhere. And give us good ratings. We want the good ratings. We need to have good ratings. So we move up the, the, the iTunes standings or whatever they're called, rankings. And feel free, feedback all the time. Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, email. You could send me messages there. You could send me questions for Giants After Dark. And you know what? I'll be doing a bunch, a bunch of Giants After Dark on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook in the next few weeks. So make sure you look out for those. And be back here for next time, the next episode of Breaking Big Blue, next week because I will not let you down. We're not going to go another break where you have four weeks in between podcasts. We're going to bang them out one after the other 
after the other. Next, next, next. I'm going to be here for you. I will not let you down. And I'll see you next time.